Jesus, your tomb is empty, and, and that changes everything you're alive. And it's so good to look up and see you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, sitting on your throne, ruling over all that you have made. Because sometimes when we look around us, things seem so crazy. And, and Lord, it seems like we're always trying to make ourselves safe and comfortable on earth, and you're always trying to make us not so comfortable here to remember that we live in a fallen, sin-scarred world and life is very, very fragile. And, and Lord, you like to remind us how important it is that, that we're saved so that we can do life and eternity with you. And so I pray as, as we open up your word today, for those that have never come to faith, that this would be the day they would make that decision and be saved so they're prepared for life and for eternity. And Lord, I pray as we open your word together that you would teach us and those of us who know you, we would remember the only safe place is with you. Because then to live is Christ and to die is gain. And Lord, I pray that we would be so thankful for our salvation that we would want to go and share that with others. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Last Sunday, I asked you to share with me your heroes, and listen, you, you blew me away in what you put on your cards. Thank you very much. I had the time of my week reading them. Of course, there was Kobe Bryant, and, and he really is a hero when it comes to, he he's really seemed to love his daughters and all, right? And, 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 and then someone put Martin Luther King Jr., and boy, he's one of my heroes. And, and then it got really personal. Um... One man put, my hero is my son-in-law. My daughter has been having health challenges, and he's loved my daughter well and loved our grandkids. He's my hero. And, uh, and several people put, my husband or my wife. And, and then one lady, she wrote me an email, and you, she told me the amazing story of her father. And, and how her father is her hero. And his story, I wish I could share it with you, it was so, so powerful. And um, so you might say, well, Smiley, who's one of your heroes? One of my heroes is Bob and Sabrina. Bob and Sabrina are my brother and sister-in-law. They have a son, Jordan, who is severely special needs. And week after week, and year after year, they love Jordan well. And you know, marriage is challenging, but when you have a special needs uh, child, it's even more challenging, and yet they've loved each other, and they've stayed married. And when I find marriage challenging, I think of them, and if they can do it, I can do it. And when I find it challenging maybe to love my children, they inspire me. And that's what heroes do, don't they? Listen, I want you to know I only have one Savior. I have one Savior. His name is Jesus. But I have many heroes. I have many heroes. And you say, well, what are heroes? Heroes are people who inspire us. Don't we need some inspiration? They inspire us morally. They inspire us relationally. They inspire us spiritually. And so today I'd like to introduce you to another one of my heroes, and his name is Noah. Not Noah Bailey. He's one of my heroes too, but, but no, Noah in the Bible, and, and the reason Noah's one of my heroes is because Noah walked with God by faith. 
Noah walked with God by faith, and he inspires me morally. He inspires me relationally. He inspires me spiritually. And listen, if you could use some inspiration, man, I'm really glad you're here today. Noah will be that for you. Now, before we go to Genesis 6, I want to stop by for a moment. I want to stop by the Faith Hall of Fame. I mean, you know, there's a football Hall of Fame and a baseball Hall of Fame. There's actually a Faith Hall of Fame. And it's in Hebrews 11. In the last three weeks, the last three weeks, everyone that we spent time getting to know is in the Faith Hall of Fame. We looked at Abel, and Abel is in there. And then we looked at Enoch, and Enoch is in there. You do remember last week, right? Enoch walked with God. And you've been walking with Jesus this week, right? So, so Noah was inducted into the Faith Hall of Fame, too. See, a lot of people think in the Old Testament, people were saved by works, and the New Testament by faith. No, no, everybody who's been saved has been saved by faith, so they're in the Faith Hall of Fame. Hebrews eleven seven by faith, Noah being warned by God about things not yet seen in reverence, prepared in art for the salvation of his household, by which he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. By faith, by faith. Okay, now let's turn to Genesis 6, and we're actually going to spend four weeks exploring Noah. And if you're new here, let me catch you up a little bit. This year we're walking through Genesis together, a book about beginnings. And we learned how everything started. God created everything. And it was all good. And then we say, well, what happened? We learned about the fall. Our first parents sinned against God, and that wrecked everything. And then we learned that God promised that one day a Savior would come and save us. And then we learned that, that throughout the Bible and throughout history, there's two lines. There's the line of the serpent and the line of, uh, of the woman. There's the unbelieving line, and then there's the line of believers. And then we took a week and we explored the unbelieving line, Cain's line. And then last week, we explored the believing line, the line of Abel. And now we're ready to start chapter 6. Now it came about, now it came about when men began to multiply on the face of the land, and daughters were born to them, that the sons of God saw that the daughters of men were beautiful. And they took wives for themselves, whomever they chose. Then the Lord said, My spirit shall not strive with man forever, because he also is flesh. Nevertheless, the day, his day shall be 120 years. The Nephilim were on the earth in those days, and also afterward, when the sons of God came into the daughters of men, and they bore children to them. Those were the mighty men who were of old, men of renown. Now, now several things here, uh, starting with they multiplied greatly. Last week we learned they, they lived to be 900 and something years old. If you were giving birth, ladies, you would hate this, right? If you were having children for 900 years, you'd what? You'd have a lot of children, right? And so they multiplied greatly because they bore children over hundreds of years. Next, I want to call your attention to the daughters of men and the sons of God. And uh, who are they? I want you to know that all Bible-believing Christians don't agree on that. Um, 
Some believe that the daughters were, were humans and that the sons of God were fallen angels, were demons who had sex with women, or they took possession of humans and then they had sex and so the children that were born were demon-possessed and that's why things got bad. And there's much biblical evidence to support that. Others believe that this just continues what chapter 4 and chapter 5 were about. We've been learning about the seed of the serpent and, and those would be the daughters uh, of men and we've been learning about the seed of the woman, about the faithful line and those would be the sons of God. And what happened, it says here, they married whomever they chose, that those who came from believing families began to marry unbelievers. And when they did, their faith was compromised and their faith began to deteriorate quickly. Um, doesn't the Bible today call us not to marry uh, outside of the faith? And so... Which do you believe, Smiley? Well, I actually hold to the, to the latter one, though Bible-believing Christians do hold both of those uh, positions. But uh, barriers were crossed, and things began to decline rapidly. We, we also read here about the Nephilim, and the Nephilim were giants, and there were giants on the earth before the flood, and there were giants on the earth after the flood. You remember the story about Goliath, right? He was a giant, wasn't he? But what I want you to see is where he says in verse 3, my spirit will not strive with man forever. The Holy Spirit was at work in this, in this evil time trying to bring men to repentance, but they refused. So God says, my spirit shall not strive with man forever because he also is flesh. Nevertheless, his day shall be 120 years. The Spirit of God was going to be moving for 120 years and people would have an opportunity to repent. But at the end of 120 years, judgment would fall in a great flood. Verse 5, Then the Lord God saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. I want you to understand the Bible says the problem's inside of us. It's our heart. Um, the problem's inside of us, the solution's outside of us and a Savior. But I want you to understand our culture says, our culture says the problem's outside of us and the solution's inside of us. Just be true to your own heart. No, no, the Bible says our problem is our heart. And sometimes the Bible loves to repeat things because we're slow to really understand. So listen to what it says here again. Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. The Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth and he was grieved in his heart. Well, wait a minute, Smiley. Wait a minute. Uh, what does it mean God was sorry? Didn't he know what was ha going to happen? Yes, he did. Nothing catches God by surprise. Um, so why then was he grieved? Because God is an emotional being. And when he looked over the creation that he had made and man who was made in his image and man was so hostile toward God, it broke his heart. Well, why didn't he do things differently? Why didn't he plan it differently? Um, I don't know. 
But I tell you what I do know. God is wiser than I am. Would you agree with that? Because so many of us say, well, if we did it, we would do it differently. Do you really believe you're wiser than God? Uh, it, it seemed the best way for him, and though it makes no sense to me, I have to trust that God is wiser than I am. <laughs> and if I look at my own life, it's not that hard to figure that out, right? That he's wiser than I am? Oh, do, do we think of our sin grieving God? Often I talk to people, I've never hurt anyone, where I want to say, well, have you thought about God? God was brokenhearted over the rebellion of his people. So the Lord God said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, from man to animals to creeping things and to the birds of the sky, for I am sorry I made them. Oh, God looks at a world living in rebellion against him, and he is sorry, but. <laughs> I tell you, there's bad buts and good buts, and this is a great but, okay? Everything broke his heart but Noah. There was one bright spot, one person brought joy to his heart, but Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. And the word favor there is, I like it better how it's translated in the King James Version. In the King James Version, it says, But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. It's the first time the word grace appears in the Bible. It's not saying that, it's not saying that everybody else was a sinner and Noah was not. No, Noah was a sinner too. But when the Spirit moved in Noah's life, Noah said yes to God, and Noah walked with God by faith. And Noah was pleasing to God. Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Now, <clears throat> um, these are the records of the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his time. Noah walked with God. Notice the sequencing of words. First, there's grace. Noah experiences grace. When he experiences grace, his sins are given to God and he's forgiven. He's made righteous through faith. Because of that, he's blameless in his time, which means that Noah walked with God. Noah lived at a time where others didn't walk with God. So Noah walked with God. And so he was a blameless man in his time. Noah stood out in his culture for all the right reasons. Shouldn't we stick out too? I mean, if we walk with Jesus by faith, wouldn't we stick out in our time? Noah walked with God. Noah became the father of three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now the earth was corrupt in the sight of God, and the earth was filled with violence. God looked on the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way upon the earth. Oh, So I want you to understand, when men walk without God... It leads to three things. First, there's a contempt for God. There's a hostility toward God. Secondly, it leads to immorality. They began to marry whoever they wished. And thirdly, there was violence. Whenever men do life without God, it's expressed in a contempt for God, a hostility toward God. It's expressed in immorality and violence. What does that sound like? Sounds kind of like Hollywood, maybe? 
Or, or like our, our culture, doesn't it sound like that? That's how it always happens. Then God said to Noah, you see, Noah walked with God by faith, so God talked to Noah. Then God said to Noah, God told Noah what was going to happen. The end of all flesh has come before me. And someone of you say, well, I wish I, God would speak to me. He has. God has most clearly spoken to us in Jesus. Jesus is the word. And not only the word, is he the living word, but he's given us the written word. God has spoken to us in his word, and he's given us the Holy Spirit. Just like God told Noah what was going to come, God has told us too. Because we're his friends and he's given us his word. Then God said to Noah, the end of all flesh has come before me. For the earth is filled with violence because of them. And behold, I am about to destroy them with all the earth. Make for yourself an ark of gopher wood. You shall make the ark with rooms and shall cover it inside and out with pitch. This is how you shall make it. The length of the ark, 300 cubits. Now, a cubit was about 18 inches, the distance from your elbow to the tip of your finger. So what it's saying here is that the ark would be 450 feet long. That would be the size of one and a half football fields, okay? And its breadth, its width, 50 cubits, 75 feet. And its height, 30 cubits, it would be 45 feet high. Um, it was huge. It was not made for speed. It was not made for navigability. It was made to float in a catastrophic flood that was coming. And it was made to have lots of room. I could give you how many cubic feet there were. Let's just say it was huge. And let's say it was more than sufficient, more than sufficient to have all the animals on the earth today. It was more than sufficient to have them all on the ark and to have plenty of rooms to feed them for a year. God's plan was perfect. It was sufficient for the mission. You shall make a window for the ark and finish it to a cubit from the top and set the door. Notice how there's one door and one ark, and set the door of the ark in the side of it. You shall make it with lower, second, and third decks. Behold, I, even I, am bringing the flood of water upon the earth to destroy all flesh in which is the breath of life from under heaven. Everything that is on the earth shall perish. But I will establish my covenant. First time covenant occurs, I will establish my binding promise. I will establish my covenant with you, and you shall enter the ark, you and your son and your wife, your sons and your wife, and your son's wives with you. Listen, there is the gospel. There is the bad news. We have a problem called sin. One day, God's judgment will fall on sin, and here it would be in the flood. Here is the good news. God is love. God provides a way of escape. God gave people time to repent. Our part, our part is to enter the ark, right? To enter the ark. There was only one ark, right? And there was what? There was the door. Uh, doesn't that sound familiar? Doesn't we come to the New Testament and, and in John 14, uh, Jesus said to him, I am what? The way. Notice it doesn't say... Away, he says, I am 
the way and the truth and the life. Notice what he says, no one comes to the Father but through me. There was one ark, there was one door. Those who entered through the door were saved when the flood came. Those who didn't perished. It will be just like that in the judgment day. Those who enter through Christ will be saved and those who don't will perish. What did Jesus say in John 10? He said, I am the door. That door on the ark was a picture of Jesus. There was one ark, there's one door. I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved. Those that entered the door in the ark were saved. Those who refused Paris, it will be just like that in the end. Um, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. If you've not entered through the door, won't you enter through the door? Enter and be saved. Listen, if you have, you don't have to worry about what's to come. You are saved. Back to... Back to the story in, in Genesis 6. Um, and of every living thing of all flesh, you shall bring two of every kind into the ark to keep them alive with you. They shall be male and female. Uh, of the birds after their kind and of the animals after their kind, of every creeping thing of the ground after its kind, two of every kind will come to you to keep them alive. There are things that God seems to repeat over and over again, perhaps because we needed them today, right? And over and over again, we, he says, listen, the two animals that come on the ark need to be male and female. And the reason is so that that kind of animal will be preserved and then we read over and over again what after their kind and after their kind and after their kind because animals and plants and people, maybe we needed to hear that today, they re reproduce after their kind. As for you, take for yourself some of all food which is edible and gather it to yourself and it shall be food for you and for them. So go and gather up this food and bring it on the ark. So Adam brings the food on, but who brings the animals on? Who does? God does. Did you hear what he said? Listen to verse 22 of every kind will come to you to keep them alive. God loves his creatures and God would draw two of every kind. He would draw them onto the ark because God loves his animals so much more than Noah did. And you know what should encourage us in evangelism? God loves people so much more than we do. And Jesus has made us a promise that as we go out and share the gospel, as we go out and share the gospel, Jesus draws his people to himself. Oh, look, look at this verse in John 10. Uh, I, I fumble so much as an evangelist, but what encourages me is to know Jesus draws his people to himself. Jesus said, I have other sheep which are not of this fold. I must bring them also. <laughs> you know why we go out? You know why we share the bad news and good news? We believe Jesus has other people. And we believe that as we fumble through it, they don't hear our voice. They hear the voice of Jesus. And Jesus draws his people to himself through his spirit. I have other sheep which are not of this fold. I must bring them also. And they will hear my voice. When we share, they hear the voice of Jesus. And they will become one flock with one shepherd. Isn't that encouraging? Jesus brought the animals on the ark. Jesus draws his people to himself as we share Christ with others. 
Back to the story. Thus Noah did, according to all that God had commanded him to do. Oh, I love that. Noah walked with God by faith. He did all that God commanded him to do. And the result of that was that his family was saved, and he was saved, and the animals were saved, and all the earth was saved, including us, because he walked by God. He walked with God by faith. So here's my question with you. Do you want to walk with Jesus or without him? Hmm? Do, do you want to walk with Jesus on earth or do you want to walk without him? Hmm? Do you want to walk with Jesus forever or do you want to walk without Jesus forever? That's your choice, isn't it? Oh, and what will it look like if you choose to do life and eternity without Jesus? What it will look like is there will be a growing contempt for God and there will be immorality and there will be violence and at the end of it, there will be judgment. And you will be separated from God and from all good things forever. That's what hell is. But if you say, no, no, I want to do life with Jesus. If you choose to walk with Jesus, then you will get to walk with Jesus and for Jesus every day of your life by faith. And then when judgment comes... You will get to do eternity with Jesus and for Jesus by sight forever. And when Noah heard that, when Noah heard the gospel, he believed the gospel and said, I want to do life and eternity with God. And that's why Noah found favor. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Listen, the two options we have is we can experience justice from God, which is what we deserve, or we can experience grace, what we don't deserve. Noah chose grace. I chose grace. What do you want? Grace or justice? Listen to what we read in Ephesians 2.8, for by grace... You can experience grace rather than justice, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no man may boast. Listen, for by grace you've been saved, and you say, saved from what? Uh, here's the bad news of our sin. We're saved from sin. Uh, we need to be saved from sin because the Bible says we all have a sin problem. And you say, what is sin? Sin is a crime against God. That's what a sin is. God says in the Ten Commandments, I want first place in your life. And when we say no, that's a crime against God. And, and uh, Fifth Commandment, God says, honor your father and mother. And when we say no, that's a crime against God. And in the Seventh Commandment, God says, you shall not commit adultery. And when we say no, that's a crime against God. And and the ninth commandment is you shall not bear false witness. And when we say no to God and tell a lie, then we've committed a crime against God. And, and I want you to know that God is just. He, he can't just wink at our sin and say it doesn't matter. No, God is just and sin must be punished. And he says what we deserve or what we've done is eternal death, which is being separated from God and from all good things. And I want you to know we can't save ourselves. 
Do you see that it's not as a result of works that no one should boast? Do you know what the problem is with good works? You know what the problem is? They don't work. The problem with good works is that good works don't work. We've sinned against God and we're in big trouble and we can't do good works that would change God's mind. We're in trouble. So what do we do? Notice, for by grace, instead of getting what we deserve for our sins, we can get what we don't deserve. For by grace, you have been saved through faith. Faith in who? Faith in Jesus, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. You see, Jesus is God the Son who put on flesh and, and came to earth to save us. Lived a perfect life, went to the cross. If you want to know what God is like, look at the cross. Because on the cross, God's justice and love come together. If God was not just, there would be no cross. If God was not love, there would be no cross. The cross declares that God is just and that every sin ever committed will be punished, either in us, in hell forever, or in Jesus once and for all on the cross. God declares that he's just. And God declares that he's love. God doesn't suspend his justice. Jesus says, I will take justice from the Father. I will take the penalty your sins deserve so that you can experience the love of God forever. And so Jesus took our sins. He took justice that we could find grace. He died on the cross. He rose on the third day proving he had conquered sin and death. And he offers us salvation. For by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works that no one should boast. What does he require of us? He requires saving faith. Saving faith, and you say, well, what is saving faith? It really is as simple as A, B, C, where we admit. Um, where we admit, Jesus, I've sinned against you, and I'm sorry. Uh, where we believe, Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sins and rose. And where we commit to Jesus as Savior and Lord, Jesus, I want you to come in and forgive me and, and give me eternal life. And I want you to be the Lord of my life and help me be the person you want me to be. Listen, if you've never been saved, I want you to know the day, the door to salvation is open today, but one day it will be closed. Don't wait until it's too late. Do you ever stop and think of, of all the people who mocked Noah and then the door to the ark was closed and then it was too late? Listen, if you hear his voice today, today is the day to be saved. Today is the day to admit and believe and commit and be saved. And listen, if you've entered through, I want you to know you're saved. And I want you to know that you've not been saved by good works, but you have been saved for good works. Look at the very next verse. We're not saved by good works, but we are saved for good works. We're on earth for a purpose. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, made new people in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we would walk in them. God has saved us. We're on earth for a purpose. Noah was not saved by his good works. He was saved for good works. And one of them was to build the ark so that his family would be saved and we would be saved and be here today. 
And so for an action step this week, what I really want for you is I want you to walk with Jesus by faith this week, to walk with Jesus by faith with this, this week. And part of that is discovering the good works that he's prepared for us so that we could walk in them. And you say, how do we do that? And he says, follow me. So I want to go back to Noah, and I want Noah to inspire you this week to walk by faith in Jesus and the good works that he's prepared for you. And first of all, I want you to see that Noah walked with God when no one else did. Will you? That's hard, isn't it? Isn't it hard to walk with God when no one else did? Didn't we read that? Verse 7, the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, from man to animals to creeping things and to birds of the sky, for I am sorry that I have made man. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Noah walked with God. At a time where people had contempt for God, Noah walked with God. Will you? In a day of immorality, Noah walked with God. In a day of violence, Noah walked with God. Will you? I want you to know something. I have decided to follow Jesus. Have you? No turning back, no turning back. Is that you? Though none go with me, still I will follow. Will you? What did Jesus say? In Matthew 5, listen, 16, Jesus, look at what he said, let your light shine before men. Will you quit cursing the darkness around you? And instead, will you let your light shine? If it's dark, don't you think your little light would shine? Don't you think it would? Let your light shine in such a way that they may see your good works. Let people see that you are walking with God, with Jesus by faith, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Oh, I believe Noah inspires us to walk with God when no one else does, will you? Listen, Noah inspires us to accomplish impossible things because Noah accomplished impossible things. Do you ever stop and think of it? Noah never made a boat, much less one big enough to save all the animals on earth. Don't you think that seemed like an overwhelmingly impossible task? I want you to build an ark. What's an ark? I want you to save all the animals. How could I ever do that? And yet, what did Noah do? He, he walked by faith, right? He practices his ABCs. He admitted, what, Lord, Lord, I can't do this, but b believe, I believe with you I can. And he committed to it, right? And he just started building the ark. And 120 years later, what do we read? Thus Noah did according to all that God had commanded him, so he did. Let me ask you, what is Jesus calling you to do that you think is impossible? Maybe it's to, to love your spouse, or, or maybe it's to forgive that person who wronged you, or, or maybe it's to be generous and you have all these excuses. Will you let Noah inspire you? Uh, to accomplish the impossible, to practice your ABCs this week and to walk by faith. Do you know what Philippians 4.13 says? It says, I can do it right. I can do it. Will that be your attitude? 
I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Listen, admit, Lord, I can't, but, but I believe you can, and I commit myself. Will you do that? What is Jesus calling you to do? Won't you walk by faith this week and do the impossible? I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Oh, know what Noah did that should inspire us? He persevered, persevered for 120 years. He built an ark, experiencing ridicule from others. <laughs> what are you doing, crazy old man? I'm building an ark. Why? Because a flood's coming and I want to be saved. What's a flood? Well, it's going to rain. What is rain? It had never rained before. Don't you know for 120 years he was ridiculed and yet he kept on building, right? And the Bible says not only did he persevere in building, but he preached for 120 years and no one responded. I get so discouraged at times sharing when people don't respond. Did you ever get discouraged? For 120 years he preached and no one responded, but he, he kept preaching. Will we? You know why? Because he walked by faith. And no matter how much people mocked him, no matter the fact that no one get, joined him, he knew a day of judgment was coming. And he knew... When the flood came, the only thing that mattered was that he and his family was on the ark. Do we realize that? That as we follow Jesus in our culture, we might be mocked and, and, and we might discour be discouraged with the fruit. But you know why we persevere? You know why we persevere? Because we know one day soon a judgment day is coming. And the only thing that will matter on that day is that we know Jesus and better yet that he knows us. Oh, dear people, the Apostle Paul was mocked and spit upon and persecuted and eventually martyred. You know why he persevered? Because he knew Jesus. Do you? In 2 Timothy, listen to what Paul says. For this reason, I also suffer these things. Listen, if our culture continues to grow hostile toward our faith, we're going we're gonna to suffer too. Why would we hang on? Why? For this reason, I also know these things, but I am not ashamed, for I know. Do you? Whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him on that day. Um, to walk by faith in Jesus is is to walk with him when no one else does. It's to accomplish impossible things. It's to, it's to persevere. And one last thing that Noah inspires me on is that Noah saved the world. That Noah saved the world. And I know, I know some of you say, Noah didn't save the world. God did. And I believe that. I know God is sovereign. But you know how God saved the world? He saved the world how? Through the ark that Noah built. And you know how Jesus wants to save the world? You know how he wants to do it? Through you and me, doesn't he? And what does he say to us? He says, what? Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. You know, this week I got to talk to my young life leader. It was 50 years ago in April he led me to faith in Christ. And when I talked to him, I still get goosebumps. And I said, thank you, thank you, thank you for saving me. Now, I know Jesus saved me, but he saved me through my young life leader, didn't he? And, you know, we can be that person in the lives of others. We can. Matter of fact, 
How could you hear the story that you've heard today and not share it with anyone else? So today, this week, what I want you to do, when you go out this week, I want you to share with someone. Hey, can I share with you what I learned in church on Sunday? And if they say no, that's okay. But if they say yes, say, we learned about Noah. Why don't you ask them, what do you know about Noah? They probably know more than you think. And then you can share with them what we learned about Noah was things were really bad. Why not open up your Bible, invite them to read Genesis 6, 5. You can do it, just have them read. Have them read what the Bible says, that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. You see, things were bad, but God loved Noah and he provided a way of escape. He provided an ark. And you know, God has provided us a way to be saved today too. It's Jesus. Invite them to read John 10, 9. Invite them to read the Bible, what Jesus said, I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he shall be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. You can do it. Or how about this? Do you think this week sometime that some person on earth is going to do something really bad? Anybody think that? I mean, wasn't that this past week, wasn't it? The guy goes into a brewery, brewery, and shoots people. Do you think something like that's going to happen this coming week? Do you? It is, and when it happens, why not? And someone says, how can people do such terrible things? Isn't that your opportunity? Hey, could I share with you what we learned in church on Sunday? What we learned on church on Sunday is violence is nothing new. Invite them to read Genesis 6, 4. Look right here that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil content. There's a problem inside all of us. And, and, and then... Point them to Jesus. Point them to, invite them to read John 10, 9. Isn't, isn't that a great verse? Jesus said, I am the door. If anyone enters them through me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. You can do it. Who does Jesus say he is? Who does he say? He's the, the door. What does he say happens to those who enter in? They're saved. Would you like to be saved? What does he tell you to do? What? Enter the door. Because the door is open today. But one day soon it'll be closed. Don't wait. Don't wait until it's too late. Let's pray. Jesus, we are so glad you're the door. It's not works. It's not trying hard. It's not something that we're uncertain about. We can know we're saved by entering the door. And listen, if you've never entered the door and you'd like to be saved by grace through faith, won't you admit to Jesus? Jesus, I, I've sinned against you and, and I'm sorry. And won't you believe, Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sins and rose. And won't you commit to him? Jesus, I want you to be my savior and forgive me and give me eternal life. I want you to be Lord of my life. Help me be the person you want me to be. Oh, won't you? And if you have, won't you mark it on your card? We'd love to celebrate with you. It tells someone it'll make Jesus more real to you. Lord, I pray for those of us who have been saved that we would walk with you by faith this week, that we've been saved for good works. And Lord, I pray this week, if no one else will, that we would walk with you by faith. 
And Lord, that we would trust you to accomplish impossible things on our own. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us to persevere in hard times. And Lord, I pray that we would follow you this week and fish for men and we would share with others what we learned about you today. For we pray in Jesus' name, amen.